Hello everyone! Welcome to another episode of Determination, Deliberation, and Dragons. In today's episode, we will be workshopping a story written by Sammy called A Hostage Negotiator from Another World. I wasn't actually able to attend the workshop in person, but Izzy led it, and everyone had some really great things to say, and of course, since I'm editing, I inserted my thoughts into the episode as well. Anyways, I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome, everybody. I'm hosting today, Izzy. Uh, so Peter can't be here for this virtual meeting, but they will add their thoughts in later for Sammy's amazing story, um, which was called Hostage Negotiator in Another World. And it has all of the isekai vibes to it. I just love it. Isekai is not one of my favorite anime genres, but this just really distills it for me and we're going to try to stick with one glow only and one grow even though I have so many glows but who would like to go first? Hello um as with Izzy I also have many glows but I shall restrain myself Sam the the biggest glow I had was the political ambiguity at the end of the story the the way that that last conversation with the king ends and the way that you talk about how afterwards the princess is also slash president, I thought that was really well done. And it was a really great way to get me, the reader, thinking about political change. And yeah, it, it, it made my brain think. And I always love a good story that makes my brain think like that. So yeah, that, that, that was my biggest glow. In terms of a grow, and I apologize, I am a visual person, uh, the formatting was just a, a little... Not what I'm used to. Uh, I'm not used to seeing paragraphs with no indents in between them. So that was a little disorienting for me in terms of going through the text and reading it. That That's just me. Maybe other people liked it. Yeah, so Sam, like, all of it was great, especially the ending. The formatting was a little weird, but that could be just me. And my favorite sentence was within the first couple pages. Oh, but I will not share it until at the end of the episode. Suspense. Okay, I'm, I think I'm done now. But yes, thank you. It was really good. Okay, I wanted to go next because my kind of critiques kind of align with what she was saying. Like, I'll get to that. So I really liked the light-hearted um, energy, especially around the dragon. Like, we're so used to reading stories where dragons are these like beasts that are like hunting humans down but then this bit my favorite character honestly like <laughs> what a sweet guy um just so wholesome but also not so wholesome but you know we can't have everything nobody's perfect yeah i just thought it was really like an original way to ride a dragon is kind of like just a giant puppy that's like kind of unkillable it's great um and then my grow is linked with this whole political thing because like obviously the political thing is sort of like the main 
driving force of the story. Like, it's, other than the main character, it's really the only thing, like, tying everything together because of the different scenes being kind of disjointed. And I just really didn't get what the message was. And I'm sure you'll tell us, and I'm sure it's obvious to everyone else, but as someone who lives in a country with both a monarchy and a democracy, I don't understand why he was so upset, the king, not just a random person, why the king was so upset by the prospect of democracy. Because historically, when you have a monarchy and a democracy, the monarchy sets up the democracy to keep the monarchy in power. And it's not like the dragon says, I would like to have a republic and thus go away monarchy. Um, And especially as at the end of the story, the princess is still enacting as the ruler. So it's kind of like succession, which is also a point because a democracy by its very definition is people democratically voting to elect someone but no one democratically voted to elect the princess as the president. They just were appointed by the dragon. So I was very confused by the politics, but clearly some people like the political elements. I just found them confusing sometimes. And I didn't really understand the motivations. Like, why would you want to go into a pub and kill someone to spread a message that isn't the fact that you're unhinged. Like, I felt like it was really hard to relate to any of the characters um, politically, because you have a character that says that the king is bad, but then is also doing bad things. And then you have the main character, who seems kind of neutral regarding politics. And then you have the dragon, who seems kind of alright. And then you have the princess, who by the end of the story is also not great because she's like, oh, democracy is so difficult, even though I'm the one that made it be this way. So yes, I was confused a lot. That was my critique. Yeah, so I think as someone who's seen a bit of Isekai, I hear everything Mel is saying. Um, uh, and we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Um, cause I have some thoughts of, on the, the, the play on Isekai. Cause I try to like, anyway, we'll get to that on my grow, but my, uh, on my glow, I felt like this was a really strong pilot in that it like, it established who the character is, the sort the sort of the skill set of play. And it like dropped us in the world, gave us a kind of a cliffhangery thing at the end, but at the same time, like the studio uh, feels like they've got a contained story. I, this isn't a script that you've given us for like an anime or whatever. I guess maybe it could be, um, but like it, it feels or like a light novel or something. But like, yeah, that felt like a yeah. So that uh, it felt like a strong like uh, isekai pitch. It was fun. It was it moved very quickly, which quick pacing on this kind of story, especially with this kind of lighthearted thing, you don't want to get too bogged down in the weeds. And I think you executed on that excellently. So I think just overall, like no single uh, like critique in terms of, or no single glow in so much as it all just works together neatly. My grow is that, and it's a little nuanced and it's a little bit like, it makes no sense if you haven't seen Isekai. So the thing about Isekai is, is that the kingdom they go to is always a little generic um and it, like it's always a little bland and boring and like oh this is like what people who don't read fantasy think fantasy is and that's completely fine that's a staple of the genre but the really good ones 
like have some weird twist on that or like and you have it a little you have it with the with the with the democracy thing at the end and that's sort of like has a twist but like in terms of the world i felt like we just walked into a fantasy world and it's like there's nothing about this kingdom that felt different or special at all it just felt like the generic of generics um and i think that it's a little too on the nose for me like my my favorite isekai is re-zero you don't have to give it the full re-zero treatment where the lore is so complicated that no one understands what's happening until like four seasons in or however long it'll take before we properly understand what's going on in this world but like the i really wanted the um there to be something just a little different about it. just a little uh, explore the space a little bit think think a little bit more like is he the first because there have been some fun stories about like oh yeah they're just kind of used to humans from earth showing up and they kind of hate them so uh we've set up like an assassination school to take out the humans from earth and that like that's a, that's an isekai that exists right now um like to have other humans isekai here you can play with the with the genre tropes maybe the people there are like yeah, are we are we boring? Like are we are we too straightforward? Like I don't know. There's a um you don't have to you don't have to like necessarily take away or change anything major, but it to me it feels like it's playing too much to the notes where it's going to get lo- a little bit lost in the in the crowd to an extent. And I would I would caution you to like I have another grow, but that's only if we have time at the end where I felt just like we could have Enter, enter this entered a more a more rounded space so um to be honest i have never really heard the term isekai but um i think my glow is sort of a little bit in opposition to andy's grow which i is just really a matter of opinion but what the story felt like to me was kind of a parody of a fantasy world where um everything was so generic for the purpose to show that Oh, it, it's, you know, your normal average everyday fantasy world. Um, and I don't know. I just, I really liked that because it, I feel like maybe, I don't know if it was trying to do, um, it was trying to be a parody, but I like, I like that it sort of showed us, you know, the common tropes of fantasy and, but sort of handled it in a humorous way to kind of, I don't know, I guess, I guess comment on the tropes themselves. And I think that, the democracy uh, thing at the end sort of added to that, like the characters in, you know, a lot of, a lot of fantasy books are usually trying to, or not usually, but sometimes they're, they're trying to, you know, defeat an oppressive monarch. And um, I think it was, it was really funny just to make it so simplified uh, that they're the way they, are defeating this oppressive monarch is to just add in this very simplistic idea of democracy. Um, so I, I really liked the idea that I guess everything was very, you know, uh, generic, uh, fantasy wise and that it all seemed to be a humorous account of what, a, what a lot of fantasy books do to just, I don't know, show off the tropes. I really liked that. I really liked the parody. Um, but I understand where Andy was coming from. But I guess, yeah, that was that was my glow. And then for my grow, I guess it was kind of a specific um, part. So the part where the main character, he says something like, uh, he'll never negotiate 
any host for any hostages and then um and he's like i'm off to tropicania and then it immediately goes audrey was not off to tropicania instead he was in the king's throne room and i mean so i really liked this part because it was a good contrast it was um it was funny where he doesn't want to get involved in all these political conflicts and um and all and all that except then you know he suddenly grows a conscience and or not you know his conscience makes him do it um so i really liked that idea but i think that it was a little confusing on how he ended up in the king's throne room it was like i didn't understand who i guess scouted him i mean maybe it was someone at the bar but i don't really understand how he got into contact with the king um and i think i mean it it seems like he's being paid to do this but i don't understand who offered him i guess the money so i guess i would like a few more steps between the or at least maybe explain it after right after the directly contrasting lines how he actually ended up in the king's throne room um yeah i was just a little bit confused on that part but everything else i i just i really i did love this story so uh thank you thank you for writing hello there so through the power of editing i am here um no i was not at the actual recording but sammy i still wanted to share my glow and a grow with you so sam i've had the pleasure of being in two creative writing classes with you and i've gotten to read your writing before and so i already went into this loving your work and this really did not disappoint at all my glow is really just your story i think you have always had a full sense of what your story is even if there's things that you can shore up certainly you have this core to what your story is that is in basically every story i've read of yours and it's no different for this one i love that this hostage negotiator is stuck in a different world i love that he helps save this page boy type person and the king mistakenly thinks that this guy is amazing and he's this like superhuman and yes audrey is i think probably good at what he does but he's not a superhuman no one is and then the king you know gets upset when he's unable to save the princess from the dragon so i just i i love it all i love this idea of the princess negotiating for democracy like she was the page boy and she saw what that one person had to say and is hopefully going to do something to fix things so i think there's a lot of great stuff going on i think my grow would be there's a few parts that are a little unclear this is kind of a small grow and i think a few other people have touched upon it um but i think there's a few parts where we're not really sure who's speaking and you know, just in a in an next draft, I think it should be simple enough to go through and kind of figure out, okay, who's speaking, who is doing the action, what can I do to clarify things a little bit. These are things that so many authors need to do. And in my own writing, I go back all the time and I fix things that could have been a little bit clearer. So yeah, that's all I wanted to say. I, I really love this. And thank you so much for sharing it.
I laughed out loud. It was genuinely really funny, which I don't always laugh when I read something. I'll be like laughing in my head, but this actually made me chuckle. And my favorite line will reflect that, assuming somebody else hasn't chosen it. Or I'll, I'll say it twice. It was a good line. But yeah, it was really funny. And I also read it more as a parody. So the political machinations behind it, I didn't think too deeply on. And I didn't think that was necessarily the intention that you had. I just thought it's great, lighthearted, and fun. And it's also so short and so much was done in this short space of pages that I do think that with more space and time, you could definitely answer the questions that these people or that everyone is bringing up. So I wouldn't necessarily fault what your work has for some of the other things brought up just because with the space that you had, I think you did flesh out a really thoroughly funny story for my grow, I would say. I do. I haven't watched a ton of isekai because it's not my preferred anime genre, but having some familiarity with it, I could kind of fill in some gaps in the story, like how what Julianne brought up, where I was like, yeah, this is what's going to happen, or like, I know kind of some of the tropes you play off of, and I think there can be a certain amount of consideration that you can just be more careful for your reader's sake on, you know, not necessarily explaining it exposition style, but having more of a mind to who may or may not be familiar with the genre and just how to portray it, which I think certain parts of it, like with the democracy kind of part, I wasn't really thrown by that, but I think also just because I have some familiarity with like taking something sort of wacky, like, um, well, I guess my, the first anime that comes to mind is The Devil is a Part-Timer, which is the reverse, where they take the actual devil and put him in to fake McDonald's, and he's working in the real world, and it's hilarious, and you just don't think too hard, it's really fun. Um, and so the things like that, plot beats that happened in your story that were just totally reversals of whatever would, would be considered the norm made more sense to me in that I had more of the expectations set up, but I think certain expectations could be set up more in text to help your readers along. But it was a really great story. I had lots of fun reading it, so thanks, Sam. And now we can open it up for more general discussion. We've got plenty of time. I would like to echo what Izzy and, and other people have been saying, I really, I really loved this story. Uh, and can we just talk about the elf maid? Oh my gosh, she is hysterical. I, I just love that like, in the middle of this, you know, serious, you know, conversation, she's just at like, oh gosh, what page is it? Page six. Um, Dragons don't have adrenal glands, said the elf maid helpfully. And like, just, and it's a very unhelpful moment and she just says it anyway. I, I loved that so much. I love her so much. I, it was it was a delight. And as I think about it, I realized, Sam, I, I personally identified with a lot of your characters. I really liked Audrey and the way he, we get some of his internal dialogue and, and that moment, like, where he's struggling to uh, intercede and, you know, save the page boy's life. Um, his dry sense of humor. And then the king, too, was a really hysterical character. Just the way that... It, it was really funny. Um, 
just because of the irony that the king is lamenting, um, you know, the sufferings that our poor tax collectors and the nobles are going to have to endure, and he, and yet he's claiming that he's putting the emotions of other people first when, you know, clearly he's not, and there are some serious problems in the way he's he's treating the people of, of lower socioeconomic status. So yeah, I, I throughout this whole time, I just keep thinking about the elf maid, and I, I just, it brings me joy. So I, I thought you did that really well. That was going to be one of my other big glows, is like the characters I, I really enjoyed. Yeah, I definitely thought the king was a really great, like, not like stereotype, but in a good way of like, you know, the evil old king who just sits on his throne and is greedy and doesn't do any kind of work at all, just sits and, you know, eats a pheasant. I don't know what. <laughs> I thought he was really great and um, just a entertaining villain to read about. Uh, yeah, I would like to echo. I, I also enjoyed the elf maid, um, and I think that like, yeah, I think that the uh, like I said, the pacing and the humor work really strongly together. Um, uh, and I think that there's like a lot there to like develop and see. And again, this is going to be I don't know, maybe maybe I'm missing the point here to a point. Um, my other like big question though was why does everyone keep trying to promote this guy Audrey? Um, he doesn't actually seem like a great hostess negotiator to me. Um, in that, uh, and maybe, maybe that's the gag. Maybe, maybe that is like the point and I'm, I'm completely missing the mark here. But, uh, in the bar, he's negotiating with this guy who's like clearly just a, a classic anime crazy person who, you know, like a, just a classic anime thug who does anime thug things. Um, uh, and it just attacks people because he's angry and mad. Um, but then he, he fails to talk him down. And then the archer shoots him. He is being a distraction, which, like, he says he says in his head, like, oh, this is what a hostage negotiator does. But, like, if I was watching that, all I would see is some guy tried to talk him down and he failed. I, if I'm the king, I'm not giving that guy a job. And maybe, you know, the king's also an idiot, so he could, you know, he could just be like, well, this guy must, uh, he must be great. He was there while we succeeded, so there we go. Uh, and then, again, he tries to talk down the dragon, and he tries to get the princess back, and it turns out that, like, the solution is the dragon sh just shows up and eats the king. And, like, again, very funny, great humor, loved it. But, like, why would the princess ever want to hire that guy? Like, he, he has a zero, he has a, he's 0 for 2. He has no successes. Um, and, like, you can even add a joke in there about, like, just, like, oh, everyone in this realm is, like, kind of bad at negotiation. Or, like, give some absurd reason why they want him. Like, I don't think you have to lean away from this. I just think, it, it like, the text never addressed it per se, in, in like one way or the other of like, oh, is this guy supposed to be very competent or are the people like, or is it a joke that like this guy just keeps getting dragged along no matter how good or bad he is um, because the, the narrative forces at work want him to be involved in this. I think either either one works. Um, I'm just not sure like precisely where we're supposed to land on that. That was my other thing. Yes, just established. I've only ever watched one anime, and it was Yuri on Ice, because of course it was. Um, so I have no idea what anyone is talking about. But, so I did pick up on the fact, I mean, apparently it was just plain obvious to everyone, but I did pick up on the fact that he was seemingly not in the world that he is used to. Like, obviously there's the stuff about him 
talking about like textbook cases of negotiation but I was like that could just be like a thing that he knows and we talked like last time about using like modern language in fantasy things just because that's how we refer to things but then he said like on the first page he like referred to the world that he was in as a fantasy world and I'm like doesn't fantasy world mean made up like by its very definition but then I was like is he just being a weirdo so because I felt like it was never like explicitly stated and I had no experience with this kind of stories I was like is he isn't he it was never addressed explicitly so who knows but apparently he was so I didn't pick up on it I just didn't like connect the dots with dots that I have never met before um but the other thing I wanted to talk about was more of a writing structure thing I had no idea who said the first line of the story or if it was in fact said because at first I was like so someone at the bar is saying this but then I was like it's not addressed to any character maybe it isn't a thing that's being said maybe it's a thought is it the main character's thought it could be but then we had thoughts being in italics because originally I was like you could do thoughts in italics but then I was like but then you did thoughts in italics and then I was like so it is speech or it isn't speech who's talking but then later on during the hostage negotiation with the guy who used to own the tavern I was again very confused of who was talking like there was a chunk of text and then I think like near the end of the chunk of text Audrey said don't kill the boy and I was like when did you start talking in this conversation I thought it was a conversation between the page boy and the guy who owned the bar also this is really off topic but it's just in that bit of the scene when uh the princess is running off and you see her purple hat and I was just like in a fantasy world with lots of different races it's the humans that have the purple hair interesting but now that I know that it's an anime thing it goes with the territory so that's fine yeah I was just confused but also um the whole thoughts in italics thing is kind of like outdated as a technique and I found it a bit distracting where it'd be like a chunk of dialogue and then a chunk of third person and then a bit in first person and I was like couldn't it just have all been in first person or just use phrases like he wondered if or he thought that or things like that instead of having direct thought but also now I'm thinking could have been voiceover so like I think I just didn't connect to the anime-esque things <laughs> that most people are picking up on um and even if they're not familiar with it they seem to enjoy those elements because it does play with the whole genre thing like it's a very I keep thinking it's a very light-hearted story and then I remember the guy being shot in the head <laughs> but other than that it's a very light-hearted story um with some very like light moments like I don't remember the king dying like I thought he just fainted and then was like no longer king or maybe he is king who knows it's a mystery anyway just the thoughts they confused me and the speech also confused me so just maybe more dialogue tags that might help i'm done now this it's really interesting to hear your perspective now i guess because i just rolled with it but i also have some anime nerd background 
to drop room. Anyone want to follow up or have another comment? As I said in the chat, I really like the... Uh, I, I don't know if the king dies or not. I don't have anime experience either. But I was also, you know, I was just cruising. We're, we're just, you know, negotiating with dragons and, you know, the king faints and, you know, then he gets deposed. And I, I, I kind of liked the fact that not everything was completely spelled out, but in such a way that I, a very little person, could kind of follow along. Um, so yes, I, I really like the story. All right, I'll, I'll hush. Yeah, I think also, like, this is one of the affordances of anime, is that it's, like, absurdism is part of the DNA. Even if you're, like, don't know you're watching an anime thing, it's like, wait, what's that? That's a, okay. Um, like, the, the tropes are just, like, how far can we push the limit of, like, any situation, and how wacky can we make the reactions? Um, and that's part of why it's so, like, popular around the globe, even though it was a... a a, a sort of a niche art form but uh, at one point but um i think that like i think you should get some like artwork for this um and this is like i i think you you, you find someone who does like some anime style illustrations there are a lot of people out there like go go out on the web I, I i'm sure i know some people um i'll have to think i'll have to think about that for a bit but like i like mentally imagined a lot of the scenes being animated in like the style of season one of one punch man for those of you who have seen that uh, and I and the uh, the voice of the of the male of the the main character Audrey was um, uh, what's his name from uh, it's like Keon or something um, from the Haruhi Su uh, Suzia uh, I'm butchering that name uh, it's a sort of a slice of life slash absurdism uh, anime from like the two from like the t uh, 2010s. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to Google it in a second and then pop back up with the correct solution. But like, yeah, I, I had already sort of like cast and could like see the anime moments in my head. I can't imagine the reaction of someone who's not versed in it, uh, to a point where it's like, oh yeah, there's like, there's a lot going on there. Like that's a trope. That's a trope. That's a trope. Like that's, that's how that's going to look in the anime. That's how that voiceover is going to sound. Like that's extremely, it's a very different reaction I think you're going to get. So I think you might want to even, like, if you post this online somewhere or get a published ever, like, as a light novel, it's worth it just to uh, be like, hey, this is an anime thing, just so, just so people know going in. Yeah, that reminds me it, of this manga I came across, um, which I haven't actually read it, so I can't speak to it, but it's just called Dragon Goes House Hunting, and it's set, like, just dragon set in a fantasy world, but going house hunting as if they were a regular person. And was not, I am still interested in reading that manga, but I, I mean, the concept is sort of similar with the concept of the dragon just takes over the library. And I'm like, yeah, that's what they would do, <laughs> as one would do in manga anime fashion. I do think the library could have been explained a little bit more with it. It's called the Iron Library, and it has these giant iron tapestries and I thought that was really interesting hints of um, some deeper world building that could be done in here although I don't I agree with what Julianne was saying that sort of playing up the parody elements and the genericness of it to a certain degree like tr Tropicana where it's just Tropicana with a Y hilarious don't change it but I think uh, other parts like the iron library could be explained a little bit further to give the world a more unique feel and also I don't know why the dragon went to the library in the first place because he didn't know about the princess and he wasn't friends with her yet until he got to the library. But also human dragon friendships or like human supernatural friendships, such an anime staple.
I also think that Lottie, the princess's motivations could have been spelled out a little bit more because at first I didn't even know quite how old she was, so I didn't know what to expect in terms of like emotional or mental maturity for why she was defying her father of like, oh, I just wanted to run away because you were mean to me, dad, versus her having genuine political ambitions that it turned out that she had. Although she still seems like she could be young because she was pretending to be a page boy in the beginning. And I think the dots could be a little bit more drawn more clearly between her as the page boy at the beginning, just because um, his characterization, I re remembered thinking he wasn't described as a page boy in the very first appearance. He was described looking very different in the two or three appearances he had. And the purple hair wasn't described in the very first appearance. And I do think that would have helped to tie it together and the wording for his clothing and just generally the connotation made me think of two or three different people and I also didn't know why she was there. <laughs> Him being a random bystander, the page boy, didn't have any questions but when it turned out she was the princess I was like well it would have made more sense if this had been behind the scenes some sort of a setup by her and yeah it could have been a really bad idea she doesn't seem like she has such great ideas all the time but I think a little bit of setup there because her being in the right place at the wrong time needed a little bit more clarification for me. And also the sort of SWAT team firing squad that responded didn't need immediate clarification, but I think a little bit later on to explain, yeah, we've had like rebels coming up all over the place. They're like whack-a-mole. Just to explain the response, because um, again, they could have been a peaceful kingdom where Everyone is lazy and they wouldn't have a SWAT team to respond to this. <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was very entertaining and definitely the, some of the absurdism, I think that was just some of the best parts of it. Like Iron Library, partly I didn't question it because it's like, yeah, of course the Iron Library, completely impractical, but why not? It's going to rust, who cares? <laughs> the anime I was thinking of earlier is the melancholy of Haruhi Su Suzumaya. Um, it's, it's something, but I imagine the main character is being voiced by the same guy who did the voice for Kion in that anime. For those, for the all know of you out there who know what the heck I'm talking about. I just want to echo a little bit what Izzy was saying, just saying, um, with the page boy. Yeah, I was a little confused on what the point of the page boy was. Um, I just, yeah, I guess just to agree, um, I didn't. Or not, but the point of the page boy being the princess. I mean, the page boy obviously had a point, but I I didn't know why that fact was, um, I don't know, voiced I, or and why she was the page boy. I don't know. It just confused me. And then also what Julie said, um, a while back, uh, at the ending, how she wasn't sure if the king was uh, was dead or not. I also wasn't sure if the king was dead or not at the end if he was killed by the dragon and I I don't know it left me a little confused and then it felt a little bit like the ending was rushed into where oh the king is deposed at me uh, um I don't know it I just didn't understand how they got there I guess did they did they actually kill the king did they just make him I don't know did they put him in jail or something I don't know that's but yeah I was just confused about those two things yeah, I think in my mind, I, I just filled in the Farquaad scene from Shrek at the very end. But I 
thinking back, I don't actually remember how the story ended, so I'm taking another look. Um, I also, for the political part, I didn't automatically assume it was a democracy. I just thought it's some kind of, you know, wackadoodle anime politics kind of thing where it is what you want to make of it. But generally, like, full-on democracy isn't like a straight line. I also had no idea, or I'd never thought of the connection between Australia being a monarchy and a democracy. I just, I, in my mind, it's like democracy is only democracy. But also from a very American perspective where monarchy just ceases to exist. Which I, also, understanding where the king came from for me was like, there are two incompatible sources from an American perspective of like monarchy is not. <laughs> That's just how it went. So I wanted to quickly respond to something that Mel said about democracy and monarchy and not understanding why the king is so concerned about democracy. And again, I kind of feel bad responding to this since I am recording this after the fact. So, and Mel doesn't have an opportunity to respond. So please don't take my thoughts on this as the final say. I think Mel raised some really good points. However, I just want to add that, yes, England has a monarchy and they have a democracy right now at the same time, for sure, but the monarchy once had a lot more power than it currently does. Right now, it is mostly ceremonial. People are questioning whether or not the monarchy is something that we need. They're questioning whether it is something that is even good, if it's even worth keeping. And there are nations around the world that, while they actually did recognize the monarch of the UK, they are now renouncing that. They are breaking away from the monarchy. And that was happening, you know, around when Queen Elizabeth was dying. There was this kind of new push to renounce um, and move away from the monarchy. And again, the monarchy is really ceremonial. I don't think they have any legislative power. So I think democracy in the long run was kind of bad for the monarchy, if you're taking the, the monarchy's perspective on that. You know, the U.S., we fought a whole rebellion to move away from the monarch, to get rid of, um, you know, rule by king for the colonists. So I don't think the monarchy has nearly the same amount of clout that it once did. So I would argue that democracy is something that monarchs who are tyrants like the king in this story is probably, um, you know, democracy is probably frightening for those, for those monarchs. And especially this is a fantasy world, so what even is democracy? What even is a monarchy in this? It's a little bit more open for debate. There's a little bit more wiggle room there. So it is possible that this king has some different notion of democracy. It's also possible that these texts about democracy, maybe they come from the world that Audrey comes from. Maybe they say that monarchs should be beheaded in the French Revolution style. So uh, we don't know. There's, there's many reasons why the king might be a little bit frightened. So those are just my thoughts. All right, then let's get to our favorite lines. Does everybody have something picked out? No surprise, I, I chose one of the elf maid's lines. Uh, the one where she says, dragons live for 8,000 years, said the elf maid. They eat once every 25 days. Um, and that made me very happy because it reminded me of Return of the Jedi in Star Wars, where C-3PO explains that they'll be 
slowly digested over a thousand years by the Sarlacc. Um, so that Star Wars thing that I thought of, and also it's the Alpha Maid, who's just delightful. Wow. Don't want to think more deeply about those Sarlaccs. <laughs> All right. Anybody want to go next? Go ahead, Andy. Dragons don't have adrenal glands. That was a great one. I liked the the one that Andy just said, but also, um, I'll say a different one. But this, or the dragon says, but this democracy that I learned from here from her is quite inspiring. One human, one vote. Maybe we can add one dragon, ten votes. Then it will be perfect. I thought that was really fun. I, I like, I like the dragon's characterization. It was, it was really good. Ah, oh, yes, you stole mine, but I'm gonna say it again because I loved it. <laughs> uh, not the whole thing, but I loved the part where it was like one human, one vote. Maybe we can add one dragon, ten votes. Then it will be perfect. That last bit was, just made me laugh out loud because it's like, oh yes, this dragon has a really clear understanding of democracy here. I also really liked that one because I just, I was like, oh, this guy gets it. Um, I just, it was, yeah, it was a really enduring moment from a dragon. But my favorite line is a bit of a line and it's, near the front which is not anyone else's because everyone else is talking about a dragon um but mine was just the the description of the abandoned bread basket and the sticky spilled puddles of beer i just it was such a good bit of description and we all know that i love a bit of description especially in fantasy stories especially of food um even though it was kind of supposed to be like gross because the flies were like walking all over it it was still like ah yes the perfect image in my mind um, of this like still life while there's like chaos going around and yeah I just thought it was it created a sense of a lived in space which is something that I feel like a lot of writers struggle to do they just sort of write voids and then put the characters in but yeah like it I mean I guess spilled beer could be his own spilled beer but it's a tavern. There's going to be more spilled beer than one little bit of beer. Um, so, yeah, I really like that line. Yeah, I also, looking back at that line, I love how the perspective switches to the flies because I love that kind of um, sort of third-person thing where, like, the flies for a brief, like, line are sort of the characters we follow. So my favorite line, there's a part during the negotiations where... The, the dragon has gone over his demands, and the king is like, what a democracy, uh, how dare you, uh, unreasonable, I'm not a tyrant. And Audrey goes back to communicating with the dragon, and Audrey says a line that I think is really great. So he says, okay, Ruth Tooth, I hear you. You want some money, something to burn, and some political reforms. And I just love the way that Audrey is correct. It's so understated. Obviously, you could say that the dragon wants so much more, and you can talk about the the language that the dragon uses, and it's it's a little bit more graphic than what Audrey is saying. But Audrey's not incorrect, and it just makes me think about you know I'm pretty I don't want to say involved in politics, but I engage in it. I I consume a lot of media, and I think it's it's something important to be aware of. And I'm just so curious how someone, outside of your usual partisan, oh, you're just incorrect, oh, you're brainwashed, whatever, 
if someone were to just kind of try to sum up all of my thoughts about politics and reform and the world and simplify it in the way that Audrey does, I would be super curious to hear that. So I I thought that was really funny. <laughs> and uh, power to Ruth Tooth for hopefully he gets uh, his 10 votes. Well, I guess that's about it for today, but thank you all for sharing your thoughts. And Sam, thanks, of course, for your amazing story. It was really fun to read. And any quick response? Thank you, everyone, for the feedback. So what I'm probably going to do is I'm going to go back and expand and elaborate on a lot of these parts. I think that would fix uh, a lot of the problems that you guys have pointed out overall, where there's parts that are just kind of ambiguous or uh, glossed over. And then as well, I was thinking to myself that someone mentioned that the uh, guard gets shot in the head and killed. And I think that really kind of undermines the lighthearted, whimsical tone of the rest of the piece. So I might consider uh, changing that to be kind of a non-lethal injury. But uh, that aside, I'm really happy to hear that a lot of you enjoyed it. And yeah, uh, maybe I'll upload this on uh, Royal Road or something like that as a one-shot. Before we end, I wanted to quickly shout out another book and author. So today's shout out, I wanted to shed some light on a book called The Outing by Fabian Foley. This is her first book. And I'm just going to read the blurb for you. So The Outing. When nowhere is safe in the world you know, you have to hide or start making a new one. Robert is 11 when his best friend dies and he learns that if he wants to survive in the world, he has to be, quote, normal. He buries his feelings, his awful childhood memories, and his suspicion that he is gay. Even when he falls in love with Johnny, he pretends it isn't happening and buries those feelings too, choosing safety in the closet, a career as a lawyer, a wife and kids, and suburban happy ever after. Until Johnny returns, needing help and then disappears and Robert's facade begins to crack in heartbreaking and dreadful circumstances. Only one other person saw what happened that night, and after being arrested for drunk and disorderly, he disappears. Trying to keep his secret and himself safe isn't Robert's only priority. He wants justice too, but when the police force is corrupt from the top down, justice isn't merely elusive, it's an impossibility. Or so it seems, when you're fighting for yourself alone. But other people have been fighting for justice too. Breaking a corrupt system can sometimes break you and those you love, some forever. I believe this takes place in Queensland, Australia, so not the fantasy setting that uh, we usually talk about on the podcast, but Queensland is a really cool place. I enjoyed visiting there in, when was it, 2018? Yeah, I don't know that much about it, but I I had fun visiting and it should be exciting to read a book set there. So if this sounded interesting to you, you can find the book on Amazon, Smashwords, the genre is fiction, crime, drama, LGBTQ main character, recent history. If you want to know more, you can follow Fabian on social media. She has a website, fabianfoley.com. You can also find her on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And I will leave the links for all of those in the description of this episode. So thank you, Fabian, for reaching out. I'm excited to read your book. 
and I hope that anyone who decides to read it enjoys. Thank you for listening to another episode of Determination, Deliberation, and Dragons. I hope that you enjoy the episode. You can find exclusive episodes on patreon.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter, so you can follow us there. And um, that's, that's about it. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, evening, night, morning, whatever. And as always, remember, don't let the day drag on. Ha, ha, ha.